welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Good evening, everybody. Now, I'm not, I'm not getting the response. Good evening, everybody. See, if it, if it were in Cameroon, we'll say that, Happy Christmas, even though it's not Christmas Day yet because we are still in the season. When I say Happy Christmas, you say Happy, Happy. Okay? Happy Christmas. Now you are talking. Well, I am very delighted again once more to share God's word with us this evening. Um, and, you know, looking at this passage, somebody can maybe tempted to ask the question, why would you want to preach about Jesus Christ and then you are using the, 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 the passage of Colossians instead of going to the Gospels that really carries elaborately the story and, and the work of Jesus Christ from the birth to his, uh, to his death and resurrection. But there is something very, very important here that I just want us to share a little bit. And this evening, we shall be attempting to answer this question. Why did Jesus come? People get so excited about celebrating Christmas. People get so excited about the season of Christmas, which actually we are today. But if you can single out somebody and have a one-on-one talk and try to be very frank and, and you ask that person, why did Jesus come? Why did you think that Jesus Christ came? I bet you'll be shocked and surprised by the answer that they may give you. Because people just get into the emotion, to the emotion of, of celebration without really knowing why they are celebrating. So this evening we are going to attempt to... Um, to answer that question, as Paul addressed the church of Colossia in Colossians chapter 1, 13 to 14, 21 to 24. I promise I'll be very brief and go straight to the point because uh, we have some desert, African desert downstairs, okay? <laughs> so nobody should leave. After this, we'll go downstairs. There's an African desert there. You go and discover whatever African desert is, okay? But if we must ask this question, why did Jesus come? You know, we should also talk about his death. Because there is a correlation. There is, there, is, there is always a similarity. I mean, there is a correlation between his birth and his death. So you cannot talk about the birth of Jesus Christ without talking his death. Because if you single yourself and limit only to the birth of Jesus Christ without really addressing the death of Jesus Christ, then the question is incomplete. So this evening, we'll touch a little bit about the bed and then talk about the little bit of the dead. It gets fulfilled. That fulfills his coming. So let us pray. Almighty Father, everlasting God, Holy Spirit divine, I yield to your lordship this moment. I pray that, Heavenly Father, may you saturate this environment, this sanctuary right now, with your presence and your power, so that, Father, your word this evening will have a dwelling in the hearts of your people and the purpose, oh God, that is what is intended, shall be met for your own glory. God, I am just a vessel. I know nothing. I am empty. I am filthy. I am nobody. But I present myself to you, Heavenly Father, as a vessel through which you will pass and minister to your people. Father, I pray that they will not listen to my voice or my words, but they will listen to you speak to them very tangibly what you purpose, oh God, to address to each and everyone seated here accordingly. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
So I said it is difficult to talk about the coming of our Lord Jesus without also talking about his death. If we talk just about the birth and don't talk about his death, then the story of Jesus' coming is incomplete. His birth and death are interrelated because they serve the same purpose. So we can say that Jesus came to die. Jesus came to die. He was born to die. So the beginning of his coming was to be born. And of course, his mission was going to be completed when he died. Now let's find out why. So the coming of Jesus could be traced as far back as in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, in the Garden of Eden. Of course, we all know the story in the Garden of Eden. When God created man, he put placed man into that beautiful garden that he had created and beautified with everything. And, and he called man and told Adam and says that you may eat of everything that you find here. Everything I have created, it is good. You may eat of everything here, but... That tree center there. Don't even go close. Don't touch. Now you read the story, you see that when Adam at some point separated with the wife, he, he went maybe in the garden doing something and, and the, the, the devil prayed on the vulnerability of the wife and came now and deceived Eve about that fruit. And said, so you see this fruit, it's very beautiful. Did God really say you should not eat of that fruit? And he did all his manipulation and, and Eve fell, he ate the fruit. It did not end there. When Eve ate the fruit, as a woman, she took part of the fruit and gave to the husband. And the husband received it joyfully without asking any question. And he took and consumed the food. And all of them, now when they ate the fruit, now that is where there was a division. Man had rebelled now. That is where man, that separation, there was that separation. And up to that time, if man were to die without God doing what he did, actually man could have ended up in hell. But thank God that Genesis chapter 3 verse 21 tells us, actually this set the pace of the coming of Jesus Christ. Where when God sent his angels to send man, to drive man away from that garden because of their stubbornness, because of their rebellion. And then man now took leave because they were now innocent. They were now, they, were now, uh, 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 they, they understand things now. They could now tell the difference between being clothed and, 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 and they're being clothed by God. So they found out they were naked. Now they, the Bible says that they, when they took leaves, and they covered their nakedness. They were ashamed. And so Genesis 23 verse 21 tells us that then God now, he, he looked at man and then he killed an animal. Then took the skin of the animal to cover the nakedness of man. There was the trace. That is where we trace the coming of Jesus Christ. Because what God actually did in Genesis chapter 3 verse 21, it is, was a preemption of the coming of his son to die, to take away the sin of man. So Genesis chapter 3 verse 21, that is where we actually trace the coming of Jesus Christ. See, unto Adam, if Genesis 3, 21, it says, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and cloth them up. That is where the beginning, we trace the coming of Jesus Christ. Now the gospel in Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10 says, and Jesus said unto them, this day is salvation came to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man come to seek and to save that which was lost. So if we are answering the question, why did Jesus come? So Jesus came actually to save me and you who were lost because of sin. 
Before I continue, I just want to make your mind to understand and listen. If you do not know that Jesus Christ came and he died for you, for you, for you, for you, and everybody seated there and for me. Because he died so that we should not go to hell. That is why he came. There was the exchange. I will see in a little while about the, why he redeemed us. We shall see that. He came to die for me and you. I just want us to know this. Jesus did not sin. Jesus did not have to die. But it was because of God's love towards us. Now let's get into, into our text. Now so Paul actually was addressing the Christian at Colossae. And from there I, I kind of like slip in and see some of the things that Paul reveals that Jesus Christ actually came, that God has actually done. As he was pay, praying in, verse, in the, uh, part of his prayer in chapter 13 of verse 13 and 14, he said, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now listen, this is the first thing that Jesus Christ had done for us. He came now, I like in James how King James put this. He says that who had delivered us from the power of darkness. It means that a natural sinful man, you are being held tight by the power of darkness. You are being covered and shielded by the power of darkness. You are actually incarcerated by the devil. Your hands are in chain. Until Jesus, until you surrender and give your life to Jesus Christ, you are still incarcerated. You are still chained by the devil and the power of darkness. That is the first thing that Jesus Christ do. And for him, for him to liberate us, there had to be an exchange. Because we sin, he did not sin. And because of our sin, we were doomed to hell. So when he came now, his death actually served as an exchange. And that is why he says that in the second part of that verse 13, he said, and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now the word translate has two forms. You see the word trans means transport. So that talks about a movement. So he moved us from one end, from a situation where we are being held down captive, being incarcerated, being shielded by the power of darkness. So Jesus Christ came now, as he came, he removed us from this part where we were tied down and, 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 and held down by all the power and force of darkness. He brought us now into light, into the kingdom of his dear son. Listen, I don't know about your thoughts about darkness. I don't know about your stand about the power of darkness. But I can tell you that there is what they call demonic forces in this world that we live in. That is why it is evident all the evil that is going on in the world. That is just evidence of the manipulation of the force of darkness. And that is why Jesus Christ came. Tell me why they will be killing and all the evil that is going on. Tell me why they will be practicing and teaching of witchcraft in, 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 in society. Tell me why there will be occultic groups just being proliferated everywhere and, and it's been approved. That is the power of darkness. That is the force of evil that is operating. But I want to tell you that the reason why Jesus came, the Bible tells us that he came to deliver us from such powers. He came to remove us from such power and then brought us into his kingdom, in that kingdom of light where we fellowship and where the devil has claimed, does not have claim over us. As a matter of fact, anyone that has been delivered, anyone that has given his, his life 
when I say anyone that has given him or her, okay, any person that has given, has surrendered his or her life to Jesus Christ, God's spirit dwells in the inside of you. And if you look in Psalm 91, God said, the Bible says that in Psalm 91, he says that he will give his angels charge over you, lest you will hit your foot and fall. So therefore, if you have the spirit of God in you, not only is the spirit of God present in you, but you also have angels that encamp is surrounding you, so that wherever you go, you are being protected. Amen? That is what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. So that is the first thing that Jesus Christ actually came to do. And we go further. You see in verse 14, it says that, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. See, believers have been rescued from the realm of Satan's oppression. That's the point of darkness. By having been transformed to the realm of Christ. Through Christ Jesus, God translated us into the kingdom of his son. Christ redeemed us with his blood. Redemption is the incalculable price paid for this deliverance and transfer. And he did that with this reason. So that our sins should be forgiven. Again, like I said, Christ did not have to do that. But it's because of God's law for man that Jesus had to come and to die and to go through what he went through so that me and you, if we are all of us as believers and has received Jesus Christ, then we should have this privilege and this freedom and liberty in his presence. It is a terrible thing to sit under the, the, the influence of the devil and to sit under the, the power of darkness. It is a terrible thing. And then we go further. We skip now and go to verse 21. And in verse 21, he says, he says, verse 21, he says, um, And you that were sometime alienate and enemies in your mind by wicked words, you now had been, had he, recon, uh, had he reconciled. Take that one again. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet, now had he reconciled. Let me chip in Romans chapter 5, 8 about God's goodness. Romans chapter 5, 5 verse 8 says that what? It said, while we were yet sinners, even though you were sinning, even while you were sinning, even deep in the act of committing sin, whatever that may be, God still loved us. He still pointed a finger to each and every one of us. Such that when Jesus Christ came, he came for everyone. And that is why he's saying here in the verse 21, he says that he's bringing actually, Paul actually is bringing their life before Christ here. And that's why he says that before they heard the gospel, they were alienated from God. When you are not a Christian, when you are not a believer, no matter what you do, you are being distant from God. You are alienated. There's a difference. There's a distance between you and God. And so Paul, Paul says that, he said, these people, when you are separated and alienated from God, he says that you are corrupt in your thinking. So corrupt thinking results in immoral behavior, which in turn produces more wrong thinking and further entrenchment from God. I mean, the natural man, what do they know? Everything that it had Things about is just evil. And because of that evil here, you continue to do evil and evil because your mind is just full of evil thought. Because the Holy Spirit is not in you, so you are just thinking of evil things and, and evil things. And Paul says that, I say, even though you were in that state, even though you were in that state where you were thinking only evil and multiplying in evil, he says that yet Jesus Christ is dead 
reconciled them to God. He reconciled me and you to God. And that is what he says in verse 21. And let's see what he says in verse 22. As we move forward in verse 22, he says that, he says that in the body of his flesh, truth that to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 9 verse, uh, verse 22 here. I mean, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, And almost all things are by the Lord purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So it therefore means that if Christ, in order for our sins to be forgiven, in order that our sins to be taken away, there was a necessity for the shedding of blood. And that is the reason why Jesus Christ came he died on the cross. He shed his blood on, on our account such that today, so that our sins will be forgiven. And that is why the blood of Jesus is very, very powerful. It's a powerful tool of, of, of spiritual warfare. The blood of Jesus is a, is a very, very powerful tool. As a matter of fact, somewhere in Revelation, it says that we overcome the evil one by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen? So the blood, Jesus Christ had to give his blood. He had to die and, and, and so that through his, his death, we should be reconciled to God. So through his death, we are made holy and unblameable. So God now, if you are a child of God, this is what Paul is saying. If you are a child of God, you are a believer now. See, God does not look at you and look all your mistakes. God look, when God looks at you, he looks the work of the blood of Jesus Christ covering you. When God looks at you as a child of God, he doesn't look at your mistake, even though we are still in the natural sinful body. But when God looks at us, he looks at the work of the cross. He looks at the price that was paid on the cross. He looks at the spirit that is in us because when you receive Christ, God's spirit dwelleth in the inside of you. And that's why Paul says in the, in the church in Corinthians, he says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And anybody who defiles God's temple, God will do what? God will kill that person. But Jesus Christ has paid the price. So that is why he came. And let's move forward. Verse 1 will be ending. In verse 23. So the purpose of this reconciliation is so that believers may be presented holy, faithful, and blameless before him. Now, verse 22, in verse 23, the only way believers will present or will be presented holy, faithful, and blameless is if they do not abandon their faith as presented in the gospel. It is a terrible thing, brothers and sisters, to one day you really abandon your faith. You apostatize. It's a terrible thing. Because the price that was paid for you to become a Christian, it was really costly. And that is why I always, when I have the opportunity, I say Christianity is not a joke. It's not a child's play. Working with the Lord is not something you do like gambling. You are either standing on him or you are not. There is no thing like one leg in the wall and one leg inside. No, no, no. He died for us once and for all. So he died for us whole. So it's not a child's play. It's not a child's play. God, a price, there is an untold amount of, of this price that was paid so that we, we be what we are today. So why did Jesus come then? Why did he come? 
Why did he come? There are some three points which I want to see, I want us to see on the board. Why did Jesus come? This does not limit some of the things that we want to see, but the first thing is, he came to die for your sins. Jesus came to die for your sins. And when I say for your sins, I want you to personalize it to say that, Raphael, Jesus came to die for my sins. You have to personalize it. It's not something in a group. It's not something in a chorus. Personalize he came and died for you as an individual because his death on the cross was for everybody, each and everyone. You, carry, you have your own head to carry. It's not for a family. It's not for a whole church. Yes, we make the church, but it's not everybody together in group. He died for one and each and every one of us. And that is why the time is coming when we shall meet the Lord. It's one after another. He's not going to come to my family and say, Raphael, did your family receive Jesus Christ? He's not going to ask that. He's going to ask you, Raphael, you had this opportunity to, 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 uh, to make peace with, 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 with this gift that was given to you. What did you do with it? Then he will go and ask my wife, Pascalin, did you? Then he go to our children. That's why we train our children to know about the gospel. We train our children about the love of God. Because someday is coming where all of us shall face him one by one. So he came to die for your sins. Jesus died for your sins, each and every one, for your sins. Take it personal. He died for your sins. And the second point, why he came? To give you eternal life by saving you from eternal hell. He came to give you eternal life to save you from eternal hell. That is why he came. And lastly, why he came? So that you will spend the rest of your life with God when you die and you exit from this world. As a matter of fact, John chapter 14, Jesus actually describes it so is very sweet. He says that I go to my father and prepare a place. It first he says, my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not tell you. But I go. It is better that I go. So that when I go, I prepare a place. So that when I come back, I take you along with me. And where I'll be seated, you will be also seated there with me. That is why he came. I want us to really put some seriousness as we celebrate this season. Let, as a believer, don't just celebrate because you get in the mood of excitement and the, in the motions of celebration. But I think each and every one, your one, number one reason to celebrate is why he came. Came to die for me. He came and died so that I should be free. And that's why I celebrate this season and give thanks unto him because somebody died for all my mess, even though he did not deserve it. I committed the mess, but he took the heat and he saved me. So we are not supposed to take that lightly. I just want to end up by saying this. I don't know your heart, but God knows us all. Maybe you are sitting here, you never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You know, there is one thing I've discovered as I grew up in my spiritual life. You know, in church, sometimes you see, there are so many people, they just go through motion, they are very involved, and, but they have never had that encounter one by one with the Lord Jesus Christ, where they really look at themselves like in a mirror and say, wow, and then surrender and say, Jesus Christ, I give it unto you. Is there anyone seated here I want to give this opportunity for anyone. If you have never met Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior, this is the opportunity. Again, don't, don't neglect the fact that he came for you. But if you have not received him, this is the time. 
Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And I believe that if there is anybody that has not received Jesus Christ here this moment, this is what is happening. Jesus Christ is speaking to you. Open that heart. I want to come in. And he says that anyone who opens the heart, he will come in and sub with that person and fellowship with that person. Listen, we don't need to go through a race or through a registration to, to make some donations, some prize to become a Christian. No. It's an open invitation where you've heard the gospel, the good news. You've seen yourself and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. You came for me. I surrender my life unto you. Come and take, forgive my sins and come and take control over my life and be my Lord and my Savior. And then you commit by starting going to church and studying your Bible and pray and live up to expectation. And that is it. Can we be on our feet this moment? Can we stand, please? Just stand on your feet. Is there anybody who wants to make that decision today, who wants to receive Jesus Christ and, and start a new beginning? Is there anyone? Remember, I want to end by saying this. Remember, Jesus Christ went through a lot, like a lot of suffering because of you. He went through anguish, through pain because of you. Is, that just, is it too difficult for you to realize that and then to, to ask him to forgive your sin and come into your life? Is that, is that, is that too hard? Let us pray. We want to thank you, Evelyn, Father, because you have spoken. As the word keeps on resonating in our hearts, Holy Spirit will charge you to take control. That if there is anybody who has not made the decision, may you humble that person to give their life, to make that decision and to surrender unto you. Father, thank you. May you bless us this evening. May you bless our fellowship downstairs, dear Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. With thanksgiving. Amen.